0: stand for the scripture reading. Uh, It is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, starting at verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him.
1: Before I begin the message, I'll just uh, make note, one of our church members reminded me, of course, there is the anniversary of 9-11 happening uh, tomorrow, and our uh, American Legion is putting on a remembrance uh, celebration or service uh, on Mill Street tomorrow, appropriately at 9.01 a.m. tomorrow morning. So uh, make note of that. If you would like to participate in that, we always need to remember, and that event is uh, to support first responders uh, in our community and in an ongoing way, as we remember the tragedy of that day, as we continue to pray uh, for our first responders and those who were impacted on that day. Maybe it was that day or maybe it was another day or experience in your life. But at one point or another, I believe we have all raised the question in our life, what is Jesus up to? It could be a time where you lost a job, a loss of a relationship, an experience of grief or loss. But at one point or another, we come to those moments in our journey where we wonder where Jesus is at and what he's up to. St. John of the Cross called those times the dark night of the soul, where we wrestle and we search and we wonder what God is doing, and we are utterly confused. And life can be confusing. Experiences happen that don't, at first glance or first experience, make any sense. But the good news is there is much of what we do know when it comes to understanding what Jesus is up to. And we can see some of that, much of that, in fact, in the Gospel of Mark, in Jesus' actions, and in his, in his calling of disciples. Much had already happened and, or, or occurred by the time John had been taken into custody. We're told in Mark 1.14 that John had just been put in prison. We know from John's gospel, the the gospel writer John, that Jesus had, had encountered John the Baptist and he had connected with some of John's disciples, Andrew, Peter, John, James. And he had actually spent time with them. In John 1, 35 to 41, it tells us that they had followed after Jesus and Jesus had invited them to come and see who he was. He had had an initial relational encounter with them. It's at this point, that Mark's account picks up the story and lets us in on more of the bigger picture, essentially telling his readers that it was at this time that Jesus was going to reveal himself fully to humanity. Robert Coleman, in his uh, famous book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, says, "...the days of Jesus's flesh were but the unfolding in time of the plan of God from the beginning. It, is all, it was always before God's mind." He intended to save out of the world people for himself and to build a church of the Spirit which would never perish. That was Jesus' essential mission. And so what Mark sought to communicate in his gospel was the process by which these early followers of Jesus gradually turned over time from their culturally derived understanding of who the Messiah would be and who Jesus was as potentially a great teacher, to the unfolding and grand understanding that Jesus was the one and only Son of God. In showing that process of the Twelve turning to Jesus step by step, Mark is inviting his readers to undergo the same journey of conversion, to join Jesus on this great mission. Mark's going to tell us how the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, will be communicated. And it's going to be via or through Jesus' ministry. See, Jesus is both the message, he is the Son of God, come to save humanity, and he is the messenger. This is what makes Jesus unique among any other religious figure or personality. Jesus doesn't just tell us good things. He doesn't just present a message he is the message incarnate in the flesh he has come among us to reveal fully who God is and in Mark's gospel we see Jesus right away fulfilling prophecy that he was the promised one to come we see him through the power of the Holy Spirit confronting Satan in the desert and defeating his temptations and now we will see Jesus coming in to Galilee and proclaiming the good news of God and calling people to respond to it. Writer Bill Hull says, God's primary plan for the church is for disciples of Jesus to develop other men and women into disciples. That is his mission, to make other followers of Jesus. And in this, Jesus was a man of but one idea, interested in building up a few select men and women who would in turn perpetuate the church. You see, Jesus believed in spiritual multiplication, it's amazing, in my household, uh, every week, I've got a sixth grader now who's working on multiplication, a little more c- confused, or I, at least I'm confused, versions of division. And then I've got a, a son working on Algebra 2 as a junior. Uh, friends, I tapped out at Algebra 2. And I have, that was like, you know, 33 years ago. Uh, I turned 51 on Wednesday. I have no possible way that I'm going to help my high schooler with his math. But Jesus had simple math. It wasn't just one-to-one. It wasn't just me sharing with one other. But it was sharing the good news of the gospel and those, that person going and sharing with others. Jesus had a model of multiplication, investing himself in these chosen men whom he would call who would then go out and multiply the message of the kingdom of God and literally transform the world. That, friends, is God's kingdom kind of math. Jesus knew what it would take to sustain a movement long after he ascended to the Father. He would train these disciples. And and, and really, this is the only means endorsed by Scripture to build up the church. My hope is you go out after the service today and you sign up for a group or Financial Peace University if that would be helpful for you, that you learn more about our preschool or our mission opportunities. But really, the only way that Jesus imparted to multiply and develop his church was to disciple people, slowly but surely, inviting them into the training academy of the one and only Son of God so that they could grow and mature in Him. And friends, guess what? This, this mission is something that we are meant to, re, to engage in every day. It's not something that just occurs on a mission trip. Well, you go away for a week and then come back to your ordinary everyday life. The point of this message and this whole fall sermon series in line with a book by Greg Finke called Joining Jesus on Mission, How to Be an Everyday Missionary, is that we often think about going on a mission trip, like we sent a group to Mexico last spring. We often think about missions and being a part of God's mission as somewhere far off, something we go and do and then return to from, to our ordinary everyday lives. Don't get me wrong. Short-term mission trips are great. But what we find from the disciples in the Gospels is that we are not on a mission for Jesus, but we are with Jesus in mission. We don't go away and do something for Him. We are with Him each and every day on mission. In addition, we don't start or initiate something for Jesus. We actually join Jesus where He is and what He is already doing. This last week, I got to meet the new uh, minister at, at Twin Cities Church. As you know, uh, Pastor Ron served a long time in our community, helped start that church and uh, birth that church and grow that church. And uh, he's had some health challenges. He's stepping down. And uh, their new minister came to our pastor's fellowship group, which we hosted. And I remember this, him echoing a similar sentiment as when I came into our community. He said, you know, coming here from, for him, Mission Viejo, I realized something very important. I'm not starting anything and showing up in this community. God has been at work in this community long before I got here. And he's going to be work, working in this community long before I'm gone. I remember being keenly aware when I came to Sierra Press, I wasn't starting anything 11 plus years ago. I was getting to come in and join Jesus in what he was already doing. It was clear to me that Jesus was already at work and on the move. In this community, drawing people to himself, employing people, engaging people in mission. And it was my pleasure to get to join people in that mission and ultimately join Jesus in that mission. So this fall, we're going to explore what it means to take up a missional lifestyle in a simple, sustainable way. My hope is that the messages will show you how to take up the mindset and simple practices that you can enter into to join Jesus on his redemptive mission. And I'm going to encourage you, that doesn't mean moving away from where you live, changing jobs, or perhaps going to a new school. It actually may mean engaging right where you already are. The goal of the this series is to enable you to join the mission adventure into which Jesus is inviting you. And it approaches mission and evangelism from the reality that in Jesus, the kingdom of God is already at work in our world today. God has already taken responsibility for saving the world by Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection and by the sending of the Spirit. Joining Jesus on mission then is about taking up a missional lifestyle that he has laid out for us. It's not about creating something new doing something necessarily grand or significant, it's showing up every day to the opportunities God has presented before us. I often refer to this verse, but in John 1, 14, it simply says the word Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Following this example, in order to join Jesus on his redemptive mission, we need to actually be with or dwell with people who don't yet know him, to rub shoulders with people who don't yet know Jesus, to enter their lives and connect with them on their territory. One experience I have of this is getting to go to the Nevada Union High School campus and support the Fellowship of Christian Athletes group. And this last Thursday I was there, and I gave a talk uh, about joining God's team. I was talking to athletes. It made sense. It was a helpful image for them to think about, what does it mean to join God's team, to make a decision to follow Jesus? But my primary point of that message is this. The only reason we have an opportunity to join God's team is that God already joined our team. Jesus, God, the second person of the Trinity, the one and only Son of God, took on flesh. He put on our uniform, so to speak, the uniform of humanity, of flesh, took on our fleshly weakness in order to redeem us. Friends, we don't initiate a relationship with God. We respond. God has already initiated. He has already taken on flesh. He's already joined us and entered into our neighborhood. The invitation of faith is to trust him enough to join him in those places. We don't have to get something started from scratch. Rather, the point is, Jesus joined our team, joined the team of humanity, and ultimately redeemed our team. He's already run our race before us, and he's already won. Victorious over the cross, redeemed from the grave. He is risen and he is reigning now. And he's inviting us into his great kingdom, adventure. What I love in this passage is that Jesus is clearly on the move in it. And there's several action words in these just six verses in Mark where Jesus' actions reveal his mission. We see that he went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw Peter and Andrew, James and John in their boats, and he called them. Matthew 4.23 kind of deepens the understanding of what Jesus was doing here, where it, said, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus went back into his his hometown region. There in a foothills community where he had made his home, that he proclaims the gospel of God and summarized it perhaps through this proclamation that the kingdom of God is at hand. You see, Jesus is on the move in his actions and revealing his mission. And so is God on the move in him. As you know, I love the C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia. And one of my favorite parts of that is the four Pavenci children entering into Narnia and trying to get an understanding of what's happening in this foreign land. And Mr. and Mrs. Beaver have this great announcement of news that Aslan, the great lion who becomes the savior of Narnia, is on the move. And the kids are invited to join him in what he is doing to redeem that land. Friends, Jesus is on the move, and he invites us to join him there. He came preaching and teaching in Galilee, and he established his kingdom as the herald of that kingdom, proclaiming that in his presence, the kingdom of God had become present. You see, in Jesus' proclamation, he's making a royal announcement There's two great words here for proclamation. There's three in the Greek, but two of them are found here. The one is euangelion, and it's basically that that great announcement of news, a trumpeting the fact that something life-changing has occurred. A favorable report from the battlefield that a victory had been won, or the official proclamation that an heir to the king had been born, or similar kinds of glad tidings. That was euangelion. Caruso is the Greek term meaning to preach. It refers making a proclamation as a herald would make a public announcement. In those days, kings would send out their edicts or their policies verbally by their own couriers who would stand in the marketplace or the public square and caruso their message. They would make an authoritative proclamation from the king. They were always bold and they always captured the attention of the public. So in Jesus's actions and in God's movement, what is central here is he's going and he's proclaiming, he's walking and he's seeing, he's calling them. In other words, Jesus's message doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happened in a very local community, kind of like ours, where he proclaimed the good news in a particular place at a particular time for the great grand purpose of God, saying the time's up, the time's fulfilled. I'm here. The hopes and dreams of all the years are met in thee tonight. We sing in one of our great Christmas carols. In Jesus' presence, the fulfillment of the prophecies of history were coming true. In that moment in history. But notice how personal it is. It isn't just this grand announcement where he's, he's you know, on a stage and giving a message but not connecting. No, he's walking. And he's seeing people and he's calling to them. Jesus walks and he sees and he calls people. He has—he is personal. He's not sending a message apart, but he's actually entering to share that message in his very presence. Notice Jesus' actions here. His actions reveal his mission. But then notice how Jesus revealed his message. He says that he's there to proclaim the good news of God. To say the time has come and the kingdom of God is near. What Jesus preaches is the gospel of God. That gospel that he preaches is about the kingdom of God. The content of his preaching is that the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand or near. And people are called to respond. You see again what is unique about Jesus is that the good news is from as well as about god and god present in christ jesus is the messenger and again he is the message which is what makes him unique and friends the gospel is the very best news ever to come to the hearing of humankind because it contains the message of forgiveness restoration and new life in christ jesus but we often think about the gospel solely as a message about the forgiveness of sins What is the good news, as Jesus proclaims it here in verses 14 to 15? It is about how that restoration of relationship through forgiveness leads us into a new and better and kingdom kind of life. It was preeminently good news that Jesus came to bring to humanity. Friends, it's good news of truth. Until that time, people had only a murky understanding of who God is. They had never seen him clearly. But in Jesus, in the flesh, we see clearly who and what God is like. Friends, we don't need to guess or wonder anymore about who God is and what he's like. We can see it in Jesus. It's also the good news of hope. In our struggle for goodness, people were defeated. We can't be good in and of ourselves. But Jesus comes to bring hope to the hopeless heart, to take our place and to redeem our humanity. It's also the good news of peace. The penalty of sin is really to have a kind of a split personality, so to speak, because we always have the trouble of both knowing the reality of our sin and knowing goodness. We all have this moral law inside of us, and we all break it. And as a result, we have this divided personality. Only in Jesus can we find unity in our disintegrated personality. Only in Jesus can we find the the kind of the unification of our soul and all we've longed for. You see, Jesus gives us victory over our warring self by conquering death through Christ. This is good news of God's promise. All other religions think of a demanding God. Only Christianity tells us of a God who is more ready to give than receive. And he does it at just the right time. I don't know about you, but a lot of life is about timing. Sometimes I get it right. Beth was singing a solo on Godspell uh, a few weeks ago, and about... 15, 20 minutes before we were to be here for the six o'clock showing, the light bulb went on. Boys, we got to go get flowers. This is a moment. She's stepping out and stretching herself in a way that, you know, is, is huge. And your mom needs to be honored. So after she sang her solo and walked out, the boys had flowers to give to her. And, and she cried and received these, these beautiful flowers. Like you sometimes. Sometimes I get it right. But a lot of the time, I may do the right thing, but it's at the wrong moment. Other times I miss the moment entirely. And sometimes it, you know, it whooshes past. And we're like, oh man, I didn't say what I wanted to say. I didn't embrace that moment in the ways we wanted to embrace it. Yesterday, uh, Josh won the the Nevada Union uh, cross-country invitational race in town. A large uh, race with like 150 kids. And he came into the stadium and there actually wasn't anybody in view behind him. I mean, he just did great yesterday. And you know my kid. He's kind of this level guy like me. (laughs) And he just, yeah, that was great. But yeah, the next race and whatever. It's like, no, no. (laughs) Like today, you did great. Let's embrace this moment. And friends, we often fail to embrace the moments of life. But God, He does just the right thing at just the right time. And I love the scriptures like Romans 5, 6 says, You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And Galatians 4, 4, but when the time had fully come, God sent His Son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons and daughters. And in Ephesians 1.10, it was to be put into effect when the times were reaching their fulfillment. God is always on time. As I often have shared from the Lord of the Rings, I love Gandalf. He always, you know, people why weren't you there when this happened? He he says, a wizard never arrives early or late. He arrives exactly when he means to. God arrives exactly when he means to in Jesus. At just the right time, where we were still lost in our sin, he did what was necessary to invite us into his kingdom. Jesus witnesses to God's actions for our salvation by saying the time has come. This is a decisive time for God's action with the coming of Jesus. God has done something unique and special. Not all time that clicks on our clocks is of the equal value. I mean, we need to embrace every second, every moment of life. But there are some specific times. Within the Greek, it talks about being kairos times special unique times of of God's filling and enabling and and meaning times that are filled with eternal significance it could have been the time where you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you gave in and you said that he was God it could be a time where you stepped out in mission or it could be a time where you just realized your identity in Christ in a new or different way I love Lion King and, and the part of Lion King where, you know, Simba has gone off. He thought he blew it. You know, when his dad died and he's been off, kind of like the lost son in the parable, the prodigal son, off in a different country. But Rafiki, the monkey, goes and he finds him and he sees him and he sees him, he sees him looking in a pool and he reminds him of who he is as the heir to the throne, as the lion who is meant to be the king of that pride. And he simply says three words. It is time. It is time. And friends, in the gospel, it was time. It was time for God to show up in Jesus. It was time for him to fulfill his plan for the ages. It was planned to reveal his kingdom and the nearness of his kingdom and invite people into it. The good news here is that the kingdom of God was near or at hand. You could reach out for it because you could reach out and touch Jesus at that time. The kingdom of God was advancing. The fulfillment of God's promises throughout the Old Testament were coming true in Jesus. And it makes it clear that conversion then is seen as coming into the kingdom. It's a key theme of Mark's gospel. And Jesus defines what the response of the kingdom of God is meant to be. We are meant to enter into it. What that means is we essentially uh, change alliances. We essentially changed teams. Jesus was coming as the turning point of time, and everything was different afterwards. Our world was now the visited or invaded planet. God had not stood off aloof and uncaring from the situation of humanity. No, He loved us enough to come into this world in order to transform it for His purposes. The imminence of the kingdom of God in Jesus propelled jesus to seek out disciples whom god had destined to fulfill his purposes and plans in making that kingdom known friends this means us it means us not only in our own lives but again joining jesus on his mission so that we can make that known to other people it involves our own turning and believing but it also involves a following and becoming and a leaving certain things behind. You see, Jesus' actions revealed his mission. His words revealed his message. But Jesus' actions also revealed the actions he calls for in response. And the first great word of response is repent. The Greek word for that is metanoia. For us, it's a root for our word metamorphosis. It means a change of mind and heart that impacts our actions. So it's not just a leaving behind of certain things, a turning away from certain things, but it's a turning towards. Jesus is called to repent, to turn away, to met- experience a, a metamorphosis is then embodied in the disciples because they not only leave their nets and leave their jobs, but they enter into following Jesus. It wasn't just a turning away from these tasks. It was a turning towards him. And an active embrace and an active following. We think of repentance as just simply stopping doing bad things. Not doing bad things. But repentance is much more than that. It's meant to be a total life change. A metamorphosis of of our sense of meaning and purpose. Where we change our life in accordance with with Jesus' mission because we join him on that mission. So right at the start of the gospel here, Jesus announces the kingdom and he says, turn away from the things that are distracting you or impeding you from entering it. I've got something better for you. In fact, I've got the best for you. Repent, turn away from those things, but also believe, in other words, live as though my kingdom is here. I am real and who I say I am. And go out and live out a kingdom kind of life. Jesus doesn't just announce his kingdom. He tells us to turn away from the things that distract us from his kingdom. And to believe and follow him into his kingdom. God's kingdom came in the person of Jesus. But that's meant to then be, the, be how Jesus rules and reigns in our hearts. It's how he sets up a throne in our hearts where we put him on that throne and we keep him there versus putting other things on the throne. Friends, I hope the 49ers win today, but that shouldn't be on the throne. Friends, I took great joy in seeing Josh win this cross-country race yesterday, but that shouldn't be on the throne. I'm going to financial peace tonight because my worries and concerns about my finances should not be on the throne. Jesus is the only one who is powerful enough, strong enough, and worthy enough to be on the throne of my heart or your heart. And that should impact our finances. That should impact our witness. It should impact the sacrifices we make. Because friends, guess what? The message that seemed to be too good to be true, that you could be forgiven and you could be given a new life and new purpose, is true. I love the words in Ephesians 1. It says, He chose you in Him, God, chose you in Jesus before the creation of the world, before the beginning of time. He had plans and designs for you to be in relationship with you. He has rescued us in Jesus, given us a new life and new purpose because He knows that our old way of life, our life lived apart from Jesus, isn't real or true life. And he wants us to follow him into that life. Again, Robert Coleman is helpful where he says, It all started by Jesus calling a few men to follow him. This revealed immediately the direction his evangelistic strategy would take. His concern was not with programs to reach the multitudes, but with men whom the multitudes would follow. Remarkable as it may seem, Jesus started to gather these men before he ever organized an evangelistic campaign or even preached a sermon in public. Men and women were to be his method of winning the world. Jesus' initial objective and his plan was to gather men and women who would bear witness to him long after he was gone. These few early converts of the Lord were destined to become the leaders of His church that was to go with the gospel to the whole world. Our lives, friends, are meant to be filled with a holy significance, to live an eternal kind of difference that can make an eternal impact in others' lives, to reproduce our faith and our trust in Jesus in the lives of others who will go on and share their faith and witness to that reality true as well. You see, the invitation into the kingdom of God is not just to enter it. It's to follow Jesus. And it's also to invite others to enter it. Recall Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. Friends, in that we have a job to do, to share the good news. This is not meant to be any solo salvation or individualistic reign or rule of God just within our hearts and lives. This is meant to be pervasive throughout our community, throughout our world. It's significant then that the initial act of Jesus in the gospel of Mark is calling for men to be his disciples. Because this is what his ministry is all about. Disciple making. This fact also shows where Mark's attention is focused on this process of drawing men and women into the kingdom of God. The imitation from Jesus then comes in the middle of our own plans and designs for our lives. And if you're anything like me, you have them. You have very good ideas, you think, on what your life should look like. You have plans and designs for those specific vacations, those specific retirement plans, those specific beautiful gardens, whatever it might be. But in the midst of those things that typically aren't bad in and of themselves, the imitation here is to be given a deeper vision, to think in what life can look like when Jesus messes with our vision. And there are areas of our lives, I believe, that we tend to compartmentalize our faith, where we, instead of celebrating that Jesus wants to be involved in every aspect of our lives, or followers, we basically have a, a keep out sign occasionally one of my boys when their room is a disaster will put a sign on their door that says keep out or you're entering some kind of disaster zone and that can't be the case but there should be no area of our life where there's a keep out sign from God our lives are meant to be aspects or ways we follow Jesus into every area of our life why because he's already there And he's already at work in the lives of those we meet. We can anticipate finding him in the various areas of our lives, in the spaces and places that we go. In fact, the crazy reality is that he is already there anticipating us, beckoning us to join him. He's also messing with our lives in order to transform them more fully into his image or purpose. Here's the point, friends. I want you to think about it this way. In every visit... In every meeting I attend or you attend, and for every appointment you keep, you have been anticipated. The risen Christ got there ahead of you. The risen Christ is in that room already. The question is, what is he doing? What is he saying? What is going on? And how is he inviting me to join him? In order to fix the implications of this text is to realize that every visit or meeting we go to, He is risen, and He is going there before you. There you will see Him, just as He told you. So what does this look like? Later in the day, today, it will be, Jesus is risen, and He is going before me to Sierra Nevada Hospital. There, I will see Him, just as He told me. When I arrive and enter the room, I am not so much wondering what I am going to do or say that would be pastoral, as I am alert and observant to what the risen Christ has already been doing or saying, what he is making a gospel story, how he's making a gospel story out of that life, that person. You see, we are always coming in on something that God is already doing and Christ has already set in motion. already that's already brought into being and he is inviting us to join him there if it feels like jesus is messing with your plans and priorities in your life guess what he is and it is unsettling and it can be uncomfortable but if you're feeling ready for another adventure then good news we're being invited on an adventure with jesus and he doesn't leave us or forsake us on this adventure he actually goes ahead of us and invites us Us to join him there. We step out then and look and see where he's already present and active, where he wants us to pay attention and to make certain in the lives of other people that they know that God loves them and cares about them. You see, friends, joining Jesus on mission living is simply living each day as if we're on a mission trip. You don't need to go to Mexico, you don't need to go to some exotic location. The invitation awaits us each and every day. And the question is whether you will join him there or not. What this means is to be an everyday missionary, looking out for the ways God wants to use you in your everyday life. And if you're ready, I just want you to say, let's go on three. One, two, three. Let's go. Amen. Come
2: set your rule and reign. In our hearts again, increase in us, we pray. Unveil, we oh, remain. Come set our hearts ablaze place with hope, like wildfire in our very souls, Holy Spirit. Come invade us now. We are your church, we're Need your power in us, set your rules and rules in our hearts again. Increase in us we pray. Unveil our made, come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit come invade us now We are your church We need your power in us Come on! Build your kingdom here Let the darkness fear Show your mind Fill our streets and land. set your church on fire. To waste our lives for your joy and pride, to see the captive hearts released, the hurt, the sick, the poor at peace. We lay down our life for heaven's cause. We are your church, and we pray revive this earth. Your key down here